Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLamb. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I'm your host, James McLamb, and I'm joined today by another ZYC alumni from New Mexico, Mr. Brock Thompson. How are you doing, Brock? I'm doing great, Mr. McLam. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm excited for everybody to hear all the great things we talked about with Colonel Ballard. We had an awesome time today with, with Colonel Ballard, but beforehand, you're down at Texas A&M. How are things going down there? You know, it's going great. Uh, the cadets down there, we're living the life, enjoying it. Um, I'm glad to be here as my own personal self, learning all these lessons. Well, we had an amazing interview today, one that I have been so excited about for the last year. We had the prospect of interviewing uh, Colonel Donald Ballard for over a year now. You may say, well, what's so special then? Well, Colonel Ballard is a Medal of Honor recipient from the Vietnam War, and he has an amazing story of, of, of really how he uh, the actions that led him to receive the award, but really the motivation that caused him to do those actions. And, and it, and then we actually talk, we go a little bit further and we start talking about a program that the Medal of Honor Society has about character education. It, it, it was just an amazing interview. Brock, what, what was one of the takeaways that you had, something that meant the most to you in our conversation? For me, I certainly thought it was the importance of relationships with other people and how that caused the Medal of Honor recipients, all of them really, to make the choices that they did. Guys, you're going to really love this. You're going to want to bookmark it. You're going to want to share the audio of the podcast. You're going to want to go to YouTube and see the YouTube version of this. But especially, you're going to want to look and find the show notes somewhere, because in our show notes, we're going to have links to two things that I want you to find. Number one is you're going to find a link to uh, Colonel Ballard's Medal of Honor citation, the official citation that he has from the Medal of Honor Society that explains the actions that he, uh, that, that happened and that caused him to be able to get the Receive the Medal of Honor. And also, there's going to be a link to the Medal of Honor Society's character education program and how you can be involved with that, how you can learn from that. But let's just stop talking because you folks don't want to hear us. You want to hear this interview that is a very powerful interview. So let's go straight to the interview with Colonel Donald Ballard. Colonel Ballard, thank you so much for joining us on the Gen Z Show. I want to thank you and, and personally, oh, and first off, let's thank personally to our good friend, our mutual friend, Aaron Alejandro, for connecting us. It is an honor to have you on the show, and thank you, sir, for being with us. It's going to be my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Well, our Gen Z Show audience. They've heard a little bit of introduction beforehand from Brock and I, but they want to hear from you a little bit more about you. So if you don't mind, would you mind introducing yourself to our community? Sure. Uh, the easiest way to do it is just, I'm just a normal guy that grew up in normal middle America that uh, was raised by uh, military families that came back from the Second World War and, uh, you know, I fell in love with the, uh, the need to know more about the military and how I could be a better 
a person within my community. And so uh, joining the military was, uh, was expected of me as well as I, I went there to uh, get my education, to continue my uh, education. So uh, I'm a product of, of my environment, as we all are. Uh, it, it actually takes us a while to determine and recognize what that environment was and if we didn't like it, we should have the knowledge to be able to change it. You know, life's about choices. So, uh, you know, I joined the military as an enlisted Navy person and uh, became a, a, I went in as a dental, uh, assistant dental tech, and uh, they didn't need a dentist because I wanted to be an orthodontist. I was going to college to be an orthodontist. So the Navy uh, said, uh, well, we don't need dentists. We needed corpsmen. So I became a corpsman, and I, I worked in the Navy hospitals and became a surgical assistant. I worked orthopedic and neurosurgery. And, uh, you know, eventually I got uh, recruited to go into the Marine Corps as a corpsman. I served with the Marines for nearly two years. And uh, part of that duty was in Vietnam. And I uh, was able to recognize my job as being a caregiver. Uh, the only job I had was to, to treat the Marines and get them home as safely and as in good a condition as I could uh, back to their families and their loved ones. So my job was simple but challenging, you know. And uh, I earned the name Doc. When I uh, served with the Marines, because uh, the Marines couldn't uh, remember names and they couldn't spell anything over one syllable. So <laughs> Doc was a, an easy way of calling everybody, hey, Doc, you know, it was, uh, you know, the other, the other thing was, uh, hey, Doc, hold my beer. You know, you knew you were in for some excitement, you know. Uh, I love the Marines because they're just Uncle Sam's misguided children. And, uh, you know, I love them. They love me. There's no greater love than the Marines and their corpsmen. And I pick on them because I can. You know, uh, I started many a fight, many a bar fights, and the Marines always came and finished them for me. You know, so we had, we had this great relationship and uh, that uh, people that have never been in the service will never – have that same emotion, that same love, that same interaction with another person, you know, that, uh, that the military offers. And it's just a brotherhood like no other. And I'm certainly appreciative that I was able to serve and got to meet uh, people uh, of the caliber I did. And every day, you know, you run across people every day that are veterans. And we have that baseline of understanding what they went through to become a soldier or a sailor or service member, man or woman, you know, and so we have an admiration and a respect that you wouldn't have for Joe Blow that uh, didn't serve, you know, so that's kind of who I am. I've, I've uh, did the best I could to be a community provider when I got out of the service. Um, you know, I became a firefighter. Uh, well, started out as a cop. I was a police officer for eight years. I did not like being a cop uh, if you, because for obvious reasons, a police officer is, is important, 
but uh, they're not in your life when you're having a good time. The only time you have a police officer in your life is when you're having difficulty or the policeman's causing you difficulty. So that really wasn't my thing. You know, I didn't enjoy, uh, you know, being a gunslinger, you know, and a peace officer, you know. So when when I had an opportunity to switch over and become a paramedic uh, on the fire department, then I did. And I retired as a captain off the fire department, paramedic EMT, and uh, loved that job. And uh, so I've been a, you know, community supporter, caregiver. You know, I care about people all my life and will continue to. Well, Dr. Ballard, would you mind recounting the events that that, uh, led to you receiving the Medal of Honor so that our audience can hear that story from you? Well, yes, Uh, I have to preface it by saying, um, you know, there, this was a long and you know, Vietnam was a long war in itself. Um, You know, the, the Vietnamese had been fighting the French for a hundred years before we got there. And so we walked in trying to think that we could do a better job than the French uh, when uh, really we were not trained and uh, we, you know, we struggled for the several years actually trying to figure all that jungle warfare out. And, uh, you know, we did the best we could. The perfect thing about what I would lead it up to is to say that uh, the people here in the United States, as much as they hated and despised the Vietnam War, they truly benefited from the Vietnam War, because all the medical assets, all of the doctors, all the all the surgeons, all of the uh, medical family members learned a considerable amount of how to treat patients. And uh, we brought that home with us. So there was no EMTs, there were no paramedics, there was no life flight, there was no uh, support on the streets here in your hometown compared to what there is today. That was all of a, uh, you know, positive motion of what we brought home from the war. So all that training and everything. So by prefacing that, you kind of understand my job as a corpsman was a paramedic, you know, in the Marine Corps. And, um, you know, instead of hollering 911, they hollered doc, a corpsman up. And so that was the Marine Corps battle cry. So uh, we would be moving along and, and uh, on a path or, you know, we'd just be moving from point A to point Z when we'd hear a rifle fire. And next thing you know, we'd hit the ground and somebody had been wounded and they called Corman up because uh, nobody else had any medical training first. And secondly, uh, they wanted somebody that could do the best job fastest, you know, so they called the Corman up and we treated the guy. Now, they, the enemy did not treat uh, the, the first patient as somebody that they wanted to kill. They literally wounded him uh, with the understanding that that would bring other Americans. You know, we would, we would then respond in, uh, trying to help this guy. If we had killed him outright, we wouldn't have taken that kind of action. But he was over there screaming and hollering, needing help then we would run to help him. Well, here's, an, here's the next line of ducks coming in, you know, for them to target practice on. 
So the, it wasn't the first guy that got killed. It was the second, third, fourth, all the way at eighth, ninth guy was uh, shot and killed uh, by the enemy snipers. So, you know, we had to operate within the, uh, the scope of knowing that the, the enemy was always there. He obviously knew where the patient was that I was getting ready to treat or he wouldn't have been shot. So we were always cognizant of that. Uh, same way with uh, grenades, they had spider holes, uh, which uh, in a sense was a tunnel opening to a tunnel and they would open the uh, uh, this self-made uh, cover and throw out hand grenades on us or they'd raise it up and shoot at us and then drop back down and we'd stand around wondering where the heck the shot come from, you know, or where the enemy was because he blended in then with uh, all the foliage that he had on his trap door, you know, so we, we could never find him. You know, it was very difficult. Uh, so we were victimized uh, uh, by, uh, by that type of activity. So we would move from point A to point Z. And, uh, you know, that particular time that I was involved, uh, we had been moving uh, on a battalion size operation and our company had the uh, lead and uh, we had set up a, um, a path that we were going to follow, of course. Uh, now, keep in mind that I'm a corpsman and I did not have a need to know all of the, you know, activities. You know, my job was to save lives. It wasn't uh, strategic planning or it wasn't, you know, uh, any, any kind of involvement in planning, you see. So to... to uh, to understand better, we had some new people that had just joined us the day before, and they succumbed of heat uh, stroke and heat exhaustion, and so they were not able to keep up with us, and, and they got so bad and dehydrated that we had to medevac them out, and uh, that was, uh, you know, not necessarily normal, but it was, you know, within a realm of our, our scope of our job. So we, there was uh, six, or there was a total of eight of us that went down to set up a hot LZ, and uh, we we uh, was medevacking these patients out. And uh, so shortly thereafter, we left. Uh, after we medevacked them out, we left and tried to regain the unit. And as we were passing the unit, they were in line, uh, and so the the. Um, the line continued. It, we, we just fell into the other company until they took a break, and then our group would continue moving through that group and to get up to where we could get back to our own unit. Somewhere before we got up there, they had encountered a, uh, an attack, a bush, uh, with the ambush of some kind, and uh, they, so they encountered all this firing and whatever. And I, uh, you know, we didn't see it because we were farther down. So we kept moving up, trying to get up closer to it. And then what they had, they had gotten some casualties. So I started treating the casualties. And uh, we, and my job was to go out and get the, the patient and uh, bring him to an area of, uh, that was relatively safe. And I chose this bomb crater to be uh, uh, what I would consider a safe area to you know be out of harm's way 
And uh, so I would go out and get somebody and bring them back in and uh, treat them, or I would treat them out there if it were such that I had to treat them where, I, where they were, uh, knowing that the enemy knew where he was, you see. So it was uh, a tit for tat trying to decide, you know, whether to get him out of there or treat him right there. Um, so uh, as I brought this one patient back to the bomb crater, I, was, I had him wrapped around my neck as a fireman carry, and I laid him down on the ground off my neck, and I laid him right on a hand grenade, uh, enemy hand grenade. And so when it went off, it blew off both of his legs. Uh, now, he was already a patient, had been shot, but now, now uh, uh, he's a new patient because both of his legs were blown off, and, and both of us went up in the air, and, and he came down on top of me, and I was able to get out from underneath him and, and uh, put tourniquets on his legs and was treating him. Um, I mean, and I started an IV with the blood volume expander, try, you know, trying to save his life because that was the only mission I had right then. I had a couple other patients, but they were not life-threatening. Uh, but when that, when that grenade went off, it did injure uh, one or two of the other patients that I had laying there, so I had to treat them as well. Uh, but I had to concentrate on the guy that had lost both legs. Uh, while I was working on him and treating him, a hand grenade came in. A Vietnamese, uh, they would call them chai comms, which was Chinese communist uh, grenades. It came in and hit me in the helmet and landed right by my leg. Uh, well, not being a Marine, I didn't want to put it in my pocket as a souvenir. You know, I, I pick on the Marines all the time, you know. Oh, uh, being funny there. But anyway, I knew that I'd better get rid of it because it was going to kill all of us, you know. So I picked it up and I slung it out of the bomb crater and it went off outside the bomb crater. I continued to treat the uh, patient. Um, and this was a matter of, you know, uh, over an hour or so. It wasn't, wasn't uh, as quick as I, I, my story is. But in any case, I had pretty much finished up with him when uh, another grenade came in and uh, it was behind me and uh, a Marine hollered grenade. I turned around to see what it was and yes, it was a, it was a Vietnamese uh, grenade. I turned to grab it. Uh, now, you know, if you threw an M80 right here on the floor, I don't think anybody would be dumb enough to go over and pick up an M80 firecracker, you know, thinking they could get rid of it. Well. It's even worse with a, with a hand grenade, you know. I, I'm thinking, uh, you know, this is not smart, uh, but uh, I'm the only one walking, the only one moving, and so I had to make an effort to get rid of that thing uh, or it was going to kill all of us, you know. So it was just a little bit out of my reach, and so I lunged for it. Uh, I was on my knees at, prior to that, and so I lunged for it. And I just barely could grab it with my hands, so then I pulled it up under my chest, and I was wearing a bulletproof vest, you see. So I thought, well, you know, the other grenade didn't kill me. It, uh, the, the, uh, the other Marine took all the blasts. So I thought, you know, somewhere in my mind, my mind was registering that I could possibly save the other guys uh, by uh, letting this uh, bulletproof vest absorb the blast. I really didn't think that I was committing suicide. You know, that was not my intention of, of necessarily to give my life. 
because uh, I hadn't thought it thoroughly out, you know. I had thought that I, I was going to have to do something, take some action, because nobody else could. And so uh, I did. Uh, so I pulled a grenade under my chest, and uh, seems like forever. Uh, time passes fairly quickly. And the good Lord says, boy, you're not smart. You better get rid of that thing. So I rolled up on the patient that didn't have any legs, and I flung it in the air, and, and uh, somewhere in the air it exploded, and all the shrapnel went away from us, and uh, so none of us was injured. Um, so that, that's, uh, that was a summation of what I did to actually earn the medal. I, I th I, they said I jumped on the grenade to save the other Marines, and basically, that's exactly what I did. Um, I had a hard time struggling with, you know, attempted suicide for years, uh, thinking that I was really going to give up my life. You know, it, it was kind of one of those challenges where I, I didn't want to admit it, but I, that's about what I did, you know. That's amazing. Amazing story. I was so enthralled in that. Brock, I was watching Brock as well. He was right on the edge of the, of the seat. That was there. You want to say something, Brock? I see you. Absolutely, sir. Firstly, I just would love to say that it's it's such a privilege and an honor to get to meet you and talk with you. Um, in my opinion, and I'm sure in the opinion of everybody else, you're you're an American hero, and your service means so much uh, to America, and we can never repay um, all your work. And I just want to thank you in the small way that I can. Uh, Frankly, your your courage is incredibly inspiring. Um, and so I, I just would like to ask, is there any advice uh, that you would like to give my generation, the young people who are going into the service or um, both in the service, out of the service, what advice would you give uh, men and women of my age? Well, that's a tough question. Uh, but first, let me say that uh, my action was solely based on the love that I had created for those guys. And uh, as I prefaced it earlier by not uh, fighting, uh, always having the Marines come to my rescue, we had built up that camaraderie and that brotherhood and that family that you really don't have on the outside, you see. Uh, you know, I never, I never had any big brother that would stand up for me when I was growing up. I, I was the big brother. So, you know, there's that love that you have. And I have to acknowledge that what I did was out of love to save the lives of other men on the right and the left of me, as we say. Uh, and likewise, they demonstrated their love for me by even writing me up uh, for the medal. You know, I had no idea that they had written me up. Um, you know, the great advice of, of the century would have been uh, you know, find love and find out what, what you can do for others. Uh, you know, be all you can be in the terms of, of um, helping and being there for other people. It's so much, it's, it's, I have found that uh, more people come to me when I'm there for them. You know what I mean? Uh, so when I show my love and I, and I you got to be first. I mean, we're all adults. We all have these challenges in our lives. But if we don't take the action first 
to extend our hand and extend the warmth of relationships and the love, then they're not going to, you know, so somebody has got to start that dialogue or that, that embrace that feeling that uh, it's worth investing the time and energy in to develop this relationship. Uh, and so, you know, in the Marine Corps, we, we were stuck with each other. We, it didn't matter race, creed, color. It didn't matter education, financial background. It did not matter. We were all there equal. Uh, we all had our jobs to do, and we all could rely on uh, what that person's training was and how well he was going to do it, you know, and and uh, how much love and effort he would do it. He wouldn't do it half but, you know, he would do it uh, all in, you know. Uh, I know that they would have saved my life just as I did theirs. So uh, the advice is to kind of develop that relationships whenever you can. Uh, seek out uh, the opportunities to be better for people uh, and better to people. Uh, so then they will re recognize you as a caregiver and someone that, uh, that they can trust and, and confide in as well as support. You know, uh, you know the toughest job in joining a unit is proving up that you can do your job, you know. And the same way in society, it's the toughest job is to uh, prove to other people that you're worthy of their friendship and that you're knowledgeable and you're caring. And uh, even, you know, people are human. We're going to make mistakes, but we, we deal with those mistakes and help other people deal with their mistakes without being critical. Um, you know, I, I think walking in the other guy's shoes before we try to judge him uh, is very essential. I love the fact that you focused on the relationship building and, 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 and being there for people so they can trust you in, in such a way. That's so important. And I, I think it's one of those things that we don't see as much focus on. It, it is a very much of a passion of those of us at Generation Ziggler. And Brock can attest to that having come through our programs that we try to build a community that that builds trust with one another and, and how that can that is so important. I, I do appreciate uh, that. Absolutely, sir. I mean, it's it's an incredible, selfless, brave action that you committed. I, I again, I just can't say thank you enough. Um, one question I wonder, do you think bravery comes as a conscious decision or was it an, an unconscious decision? You talked about it being the love that you had for them. Was it something that went through your mind that, um, the bravery came from you and your experience, or was it something that is just an eight? Well, Larry, again, good questions. I visited with, uh, probably all of the other Medal of Honor recipients because I was treasurer of the Medal of Honor Society and I've wore that medal for 50 years now. And uh, talking to the other recipients, trying to, you know, not ask questions, but, you know, you get to know people. And in the common thread is, again, passion. Uh, it's uh, knowing that you're doing good things for other people. If you've got that mindset, then it's not a, you don't have to make a decision to whether you're going to do something for this reason or that reason. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do for the right reason. Uh, 
So I don't know that it's born. I don't think I was created with the with the someday knowing I was going to go out there and do something heroic, you know. I and I still don't feel like I I've even done that today. And there's I do want to say there's a lot of men that I served with that deserved equal recognition but never got it. Uh, There's a lot braver people than me. I, a lot of times I was afraid. I was literally afraid of dying myself or, uh, you know, every night I, I would uh, pray that I could go to turn in for the night without having somebody else's blood on my hands. You know what I mean? So it's a mindset, you know, it's, uh, it's not a conscious decision that you're going to do something. It's kind of been bred in you. It's kind of part of your personality or persona that says, I care enough for this guy uh, or these people, or uh, it's no different than a mother running out and grabbing her kid and just running in front of a bus. You know what I mean? She risked her life to save the life of of her child. And that's kind of the love that I'm talking about is it's a, it's a necessary display of uh, character that uh, you know we develop uh, based by based on our uh, our upbringing and our relationships that we develop. That's incredible. Speaking of relationships, our good friend that you and I were just talking about, Aaron, has just texted me, <laughs> and he said, uh, "He says if you're talking to my good friend uh, Doc Ballard, he says ask him how important is it to be hopeful for tomorrow." Uh, for those who will follow in our footsteps. So how how important is it for us to be hopeful for tomorrow? Wow. Uh, you you know, the again, this is just Doc Ballard's opinion, as, as uh, any of this conversation is. But um, each of us come from different backgrounds. And, and I've always said life is about choices. And so what choices we make is uh, going to affect us later down the road. So, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe that there's some, some, some being uh, that's greater than us that is leading us and that we should have our faith in. There's only 10 commandments. If all of us listened to and abided by the 10 commandments, we wouldn't need 500 laws telling us what we could do and couldn't do. You know what I mean? If we just did what we would want other people to treat us like, you know, do unto others, you have them do unto you. So, uh, you know, there's, there's always hope that tomorrow will bring better, but it won't until you embrace that opportunity to make it better. Uh, the opportunity will be there. It's, it's your attitude as to whether this is going to be a good day or a, or a difficult day. Mentally, you make those choices. Uh, and subconsciously, you do. You know, you let things affect you. Um, and, uh, tr- you know, you respond and react to those thoughts. So the more positive mental attitude you have, that, yes, I'm going to do this, and yes, this is going right, and uh, yeah, there's a little problem, but I'm going to, I'm going to address it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to correct that, and I'm going to move on. I want good quality of life, and I'm going to help others. I'm going to recruit other people to help me do what I need to do. It brings a whole new meaning to tomorrow, you know. 
if you had to stand alone, uh, there is no tomorrow. What, why have another tomorrow if there's if there's no value to it? You know what I mean? And I'm not suggesting you take suicide. Uh, un- unfortunately, we've got 22 a day that they get to that point that they have lost their sense of purpose and they've lost their relationship with others and they've lost their love and, and the need to exist. So they, they do what the, they feel like the only alternative they've got. And so um, I hope I can convey my thoughts in a, in a manner which the young people can understand is that it's it's uh, life is about what we want it to be, and how much we involvement we want to give, and uh, you know it's like a checking account. If you don't put money in, there's not going to be any money you can take out. You know, simple to uh, mathematics. If you don't give the love, and if you don't help people, they're not going to help you. You know, you, I've been to several classes and, and different environments where that one loner, that one person over there just doesn't interact. He's not you know, in tune with what's going on. He's a loner. Uh, he's most likely depressed. And, uh, you know, he's had a terrible day, you know. And you see other people enjoying life and uh, interacting. You know, what choices do you want to make? You know, you have to come out of that shell. You have to uh, apply yourself to want to do things that you that are not you're not necessarily in your comfort zone, uh, but you want to embrace uh, other opportunities to help people, and uh, that's that's the best start. So my answer to Aaron is, uh, you know, it is what we want it to be. Thank you. Yeah, one of the things that I'm I'm so just concerned about with. Uh, Generation Z, this the current generation, the generations following, is that there doesn't seem to have a lot of them don't seem to come from a place that they learn some of the character foundations that I did growing up on a farm, that I know Brock did growing up um, on a ranch. That they don't seem to have that instilled in them as much as previous generations to do. Would you speak to what the Medal of Honor Society is doing to help? educate those on, on some of the character traits and, and with their character education program? Yes, I gladly support that because they've called me a character. <laughs> so I'm a good one to, uh, to pick on, you know, because uh, I am a character. But I love life, you know, and you're so right is that our training institutions, our uh, colleges or universities, our uh, high schools, nobody is teaching core values. And without core values, you're, again, standing alone. You know, without the core, uh, you know, you're, you're floundering, you know. So uh, the Medal of Honor Society has developed uh, vignettes and training films and, and a, a, a really a coarse curriculum uh, which we don't like to use because the teachers or the instructors don't like to have another curriculum. So we revamped all that to show that they can take these vignettes and apply them in their schools and, and uh, uh, you know, different subject matters, different environments, different uh, teaching aids that demonstrate 
uh, uh, weaknesses that uh, everybody has and how a recipient overcame that weakness and how we went forward and did good things for good for other people. You know, every one of us that got the medal got it for helping others. Now, we might have had to kill the enemy to do it, or, you know, we might have had to, uh, you know, there's thousands of reasons why you can be heroic. And people at home and, and this generation can also be heroes, you know, by just helping others, you know, in your communities. But, and that's what the whole premise of uh, the Medal of Honor of uh, character development is, is to identify what these characters are and how they became and how the people in the audience can uh, benefit from the exposure of those. You know, it's it's kind of awakening, you know, it's like, oh, oh yeah, light came on. Uh, yeah, I can see that. You know, they've never been exposed to uh, the positive mental attitudes and character development in the way that we present it. And, um, you know, it's really an excellent program. I encourage everybody uh, to partake in it. We offer free training to the teachers and instructors. Uh, we put on seminars throughout the year. Uh, and wow. then we give them the, uh, you know, any instructor, any teacher could come to our, our course. And uh, we've got it all on Zoom. We got it all on video. We've got, you know, we're changing with the times as well. We started out with a six inch uh, three ring binder, you know, and now we got it down to uh, flash drives, you know what I mean? So, you, you know, uh, we're, we're moving through the, the quality and the character of the program has not changed. The method in which we deliver it has. Uh, it's all about getting back to the basics of why we did things for other people that we normally wouldn't have thought of doing. You know, uh, situations caused us to react, um, and uh, we stepped up when the time called. So uh, everybody that would I, – I go to those courses uh, and observe them as uh, part of the instructor. But I learn also, you know, when I listen to other recipients talk about their challenges and how they overcame them, and uh, they were just common folks, uh, you know, from Missouri or California or Oklahoma. And, and they did not have any special training. They didn't have this character development training that the kids today are receiving, you know. But, but something, somebody trained them. Somebody exposed them to a better quality of life, a better way of doing things, a better reason for doing things. And, and develop that character in those people that, that allowed us to do the right thing for the right reason. Who is it targeting? What age group does it target? Is there an elementary group or is there a high school group, middle school? What, how does it broken down? And that's the key word, broken down. We have different uh, attitudes uh, geared for different uh, levels of education. So we have it, uh, the, the original course that I was involved with was middle school and, uh, and, and uh, pre-college, you know, through high school. So, so middle school and high school, because if, if you haven't learned it by then, it's, you know, it's probably not, in, you know, it's going to have less of an effect when you get to college, you know what I mean? So in your middle school to high school areas are the age groups that we try to appeal to, uh, but we have 
programs outside of that, uh, both directions, younger and older. How can uh, someone access that? If a teacher wanted to get involved with it, or I guess this could also be, you know, just a youth leader maybe that wanted to do as a part of a, a civic group or community group or even a church group. How, how can they access this? Uh, they go to the Medal of Honor Society website and uh, uh, follow the guidance that it's on the website there. There's uh, clickable links uh, that they can enter their uh, information in and receive more information back. Uh, like I say, we send it out free of charge. Uh, we also encourage the military, you know, leadership. We encourage corporations to uh, come and, uh, you know, learn how to better deal with their corporate leaders, you know, and how to, how to train and how to recognize, uh, you know, various problems or better, you know, better ways of doing things. It's, it's, it's an all-encompassing type course that uh, some people get entirely different uh, results, you know. So it's not, I mean, sometimes I've got to watch them two or three times to pick up on something that I missed each time, you know, uh, because it's, uh, you know, we don't, we're not, we get distracted somewhere in the middle of it and we don't hear something that we should have, you know, paid it more closely attention to, you know what I mean? Uh, there's a lot of great examples. There's a, a really personal friend of mine that was a, was a child and, 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 um, uh, was a POW in Germany, uh, during the second world war when we liberated the POW camps and he came back to the United States saying, I want to be a, he was broken English, Hungarian, Polish, uh, Jewish voice said, I, I want to be an American. You know, I want to, I want to fight. I want to, I want to pay back. I want to be. And so he did, he joined the United States army and, uh, became a POW the second time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he was try he was uh, actually captured, uh, and put in a POW camp as a soldier. So uh, he, he's got some interesting stories that people should go and listen to. You know, you talk about a challenge. Uh, he faced death several times and uh, while he was in the, the POW camp and outside, uh, you know, in between. Uh, he did not have to join, but he did. He chose to give back. And, uh, you know, the his faith and his support of, and, and garnering the support of his peers is what got him through it. And, uh, you know, he's a, he, you know, he didn't do it without challenges. Nobody does. I mean, we can't do anything in our life without challenges. It's how well we take on those challenges and how we deal with them and uh, make an effort to correct them and remove them. So go to the, to, go to the Medal of Honor uh, society's webpage and uh, there's links on there to how to get and it doesn't have to be an instructor I mean anybody can go there and watch some of the it just has less meaning it's the curriculum is set up to be taught in a classroom environment uh, but it, you know uh, doesn't have to be and how, how so they have uh, their videos there worksheets activity sheets all elements of, uh, of those to, for no, the content? No, no, they don't have the complete program there. They, they, they would have the introductory part of it okay. and how to, how to gain further access. Ah, okay. 
Excellent, excellent. And we'll put the link uh, to that. I'll look it up and I'll put the link to that in the show notes. So for those who are listening or watching this interview, they'll they'll be able to connect with that as well. Because I'm, you know, I'm very interested in it. I've, uh, matter of fact, uh, right before we got on, I signed up for it. So I'm, I'm eager to get into it as well and, and look over that. Because character education to me is just so important uh, to to be able to to guide that through. Uh, well, we've our, done a lot. I'm sorry. I'm go ahead. Trying, okay, we've done a lot in developing, but we're always continuing upgrading it. Uh, when we come across something that we hadn't thought of, or maybe there's a different, uh, you know, guys with afflictions, you know, then we marry them up with guys with afflictions, you know, so that uh, here's how you overcome that, you know, and and so uh, it's an ongoing. Uh, even though we feel like we've got it together, I, I, there's always room for improvement, even in even in our own uh, society. So, uh, but individuals like yourself can go there and learn. You just don't get the whole course curriculum uh, that you uh, would have available to the instructors. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome that you guys are providing this uh, these resources. There just cannot be enough of that. One question that we've asked almost every single one of our guests is what is the greatest piece of advice that you were given in life? What was the greatest piece of advice someone gave you? Know God. Get to know God and understand that even if you don't believe in God, you have to believe in there's something bigger than the rest of us that to oversee us, to make us do the right thing uh, and keep us in balance. You know, to, um, uh, if we didn't have that, that I, somebody looking over our shoulder, then, you know, corruption runs amok, you know. So, the, you know, should I stop at this stop sign? Yes. You know, I mean, the, the, the good attitude is do the right thing for the right reason. I, I always compliment uh, the, the person that told me that. And, and, uh, and it's so true. Uh, we go through our entire life knowing the difference between right and wrong. And I think that um, uh, the, the more we develop the knowledge of being uh, always on the right side, doing the right thing, uh, being there for other people, the better life we have. Uh, you know, if we're if we're down and out and and have no interest in helping anybody else, who's going to come and help you? You know what I mean. So you know, it has to be a two way street. It has to be uh, open dialogue. But the best advice I ever received was to accept the Lord and know that uh, uh, you know that either He or something is there to make us all uh, do the right thing. I personally believe in God, but some people don't. Uh, but I do believe that the, the spirit of the, uh, and the essence of what the, the story of God amounts to is let's all do the right thing and expect everybody else and help everybody else do the right thing, and we'll have a better quality of life. Thank you. Thank you for that. Brock, you got anything else you want to ask today? Yes, sir, I do. Um, so I've just been listening to you uh, tell your story. And just one question I wanted to ask, it's kind of a two for one question, really. What lessons do you think the American people 
um, should take from both the Vietnam War and now uh, the closing of the war in Afghanistan. And then also moving forward, what do you think America's stage or America's role on the world stage should be? Well, let me start with the last question first, is that we're the most powerful nation in the world. We're the most, has the most resources. We have the best capabilities that any organ, any country in the world has. So here again, uh, do we hoard it and, and, and keep to ourselves and put up barriers and say, uh, go fight your own wars? You know, no. Uh, we're the policemen of the world. We've always been there for the others. Uh, you know, this country was founded on war when we broke away from England, you know. Um, you know, we've been fighting ever since for different reasons, some good, some bad, uh, uh, and that's all, you know, judgmental. But the point is, is that we've always been there for others. We went to Vietnam uh, and if you asked me today, I would have said, well, we shouldn't have gone. But uh, we did at, with the understanding that they asked us to come over and help protect them from the communists coming from the north. Uh, you know, and so, yes, same way with Afghanistan. We originally went to help them until 9-11 happened and then uh, that changed everything. You know, we've been in a lot of these countries without the citizenry of our country knowing about it. You know, we're in, you know, 50 countries now probably that we don't know about. Uh, and we're, we've just, uh, just, it's like having a police officer on the corner of downtown New York City. There's not going to be any crime happen in his view. You know what I mean? It's a deterrent. Well, by having the United States military presence uh, doing maneuvers and doing activities, you know, who's going to be dumb enough to take on that village, you know, or take on the, you know, it's just, it's just a, it's a, maybe it's control through intimidation. I don't know. But it, the whole presence is that we're doing the right thing again. You know, we're helping others. If the United States ever fell, the world would fall. There's nobody that's ever come to our rescue and never will, you know. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see anybody doing it. I, I, I think we should be, we're not smart enough people now to take care of ourselves. We're all about helping everybody else, but we ought to start looking at uh, where are we going and what's going to happen when we get there, you know. There's plenty of studies that show this country is not going to be able to take everybody in and survive. You know, uh, humanitarian reasons would want us to help everybody, but we don't have the resources to help everybody. If we don't take care of our own people, then, then what are we doing out there? I mean, we're, you know, we're, uh, we're diluting our care for our own people to help others uh, get a little better quality of life. Um, and, and to the point where some of these uh, illegals are getting better care and better treatment than, than our own people. You know, it's just, we're not being smart about it. So that's, uh, that's our role in America is to be the police officers of the world. Uh, but, but 
and all we, it's better served if we understand what cause and effect we can have on things, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, the average Joe on the street doesn't know and don't care, you know. But the, our military has always been the, the, the policeman, police force of, uh, of the world. So what other question, what was the first question that, that, that I probably didn't answer? Uh, just my other question was, what lesson should we take from our time in Afghanistan and both uh, Vietnam? Well, uh, I would start at uh, knowing who we vote for, because we are committed in both countries politically long before where we're, uh, we send any people in, you know, as far as resources and manpower and that, it's really based off of what, what decisions Congress makes. And uh, if we've got the right people in Congress to, to decide the fate of America, do they, do they really have the interest of America at heart when they make some decisions? And we need to hold them accountable. Um, you know, because uh, most politicians are all self-serving. And I took an oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and political. I meant domestic. But if you don't, who's the domestic enemy if it's not the politicians, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I am... I have no love for any of the politicians because they either got us in the situation we're in or they're tolerating the situation that we're in. No one's taking any action to make it better for us, the American people. And, I, and I'm not talking about just this administration. I'm talking about uh, in my lifetime. You know, it's gotten worse over this administration, but it certainly is not caused by this administration, you know. Uh, just the greed, the internal greed, the internal uh, ignorance of our laws, the internal um, lack of control, lack of consideration for our own people. I don't know what the end result is that they're trying to accomplish. If I had a better understanding, I could maybe I could embrace it, but I don't. They're, they have no exit strategies. They open the door to everybody pretty soon we'll be just like everybody, you know, uh, we'll dilute ourselves down to where we have nothing. So, you know, uh, we can't help everybody as much as I'd like to. We, we just can't help everybody. So the lessons I would say that we, we should look at hard is to have an objective in mind. So when we go into Vietnam, we need to know the perimeters. Uh, it's like basic goal setting. I am here today. I want to be there in the future. What steps do I need to take to get me to my goal? That's goal setting. And if you don't have an exit strategy or you don't have a final results in mind, you're wandering. You know, it's no different than getting in your car. If you know you're going to a specific location, uh, you'll reach there sooner than if you start out saying, I don't care where I go. I'm just, you know, let's just drive around a while. You know, you might be days getting to your job. You know what I mean? So it's better to have plans. It's better to have uh, knowledge and, and uh, support, you know, all the good things that we try to muster up 
and um, before we commit our troops, um, you know, the 9-11 was completely different. The Vietnamese, when we left Vietnam, sorry, when we left Vietnam, none of us feared that the Vietnamese was going to come here in America and try to kill us. That's not true with today's war. They've already demonstrated that they've attacked us on 9-11 on our shores. So we had to react differently than we did in Vietnam. They, they did not, uh, Afghanistan and, and Iraq did not call us and say, hey, we need help, come and help us. No, we went over there to cut off the problems that we currently have. Uh, so it's, a, you, it's hard to compare those, those wars on any resemblance because we reacted to uh, the current war out of need to stop a terrorist. We didn't have terrorists in Vietnam. Now we had enemy and we had people trying to kill us, but you know, they didn't follow us here to America and blow up our buildings and, and uh, contaminate our water and, and uh, knock out our power plants and, and, and do things to hurt us, you know? Be more, be more prepared, better guidelines, better uh, objectives, better, um, you know, do the homework before we commit. Have better plans, I guess. That's just my I didn't mean to interrupt there. I was just going to thank you uh, for your time today. Um, I want to tell our audience, I'm going to put all the information that he talked about as far as the Federal Honor Society and how to connect with that character uh, development program, the education program, in our show notes so you can access that. Is there a way that uh, our audience can reach out and connect with you through email or, or some format of that if they wanted to connect with you? Sure. Uh, I, you do you have my email? You do. I know you do. Don't yes, you? yes, I do. Yeah, you want I, me put that in show notes as well? Yeah, I, I think it. Uh, I don't have a problem. I don't have a lot of time, but I'd be, I'd be glad to. Uh, I, I wish there was a filter in between, uh, but uh, let's talk about that. Uh, okay. I don't have a problem reaching out to people. Maybe you could filter them first or something. Because um, we're, I'm all about support. I'm all about helping. I'm all about uh, giving advice, uh, whether they want it or not. Then uh, I'm all about helping uh, people understand what I've experienced in 75 years of my life that made me what I am today. Uh, you know, the character that I developed uh, is is still available today. You know, just like that kid behind you in the photograph, you know, fishing. You know, it's it's kind of like uh, getting involved, doing doing something fun, doing having some respect for yourself and for other people, and just get along. You know, and and stop all this hate. We got way too much hate in this country today. Yes, sir. Thank thank you so much for your time. It is an honor uh, for me to be able to talk with you today, and and I appreciate this. And as far as building relationships, I, I'm really going to have to. Send a special thank you to my, our good friend, Aaron, as well, uh, for connecting us and, and making this all possible. So thank you. And to our audience, uh, thank you guys for joining us this week. And be back again next week for another exciting show. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. 
please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us, too, on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.